Can we please welcome Twig as he comes to share the word? Thanks very much. Great to be here tonight and to, uh, to share with you. Uh, we, we've been uh, come off the back actually of a bit of a series that we were doing, looking at some of the alpha uh, topics. And so we just sort of wrapped up that last week and we launched into this little mini series that we're doing. And we're gonna look at one of the books of the Bible and we're gonna look at Titus. And so we launch uh, that off tonight. So we're gonna look at that a little bit further. I remember um, quite a number of years ago now, I uh, was just kind of learning and looking at the Christian faith a little bit and, and learning what it means and what it looks like. It was all very new to me. My, uh, I had no faith background, never really stepped, you know, been in a church or anything like that. And so it was all pretty new. And I think I'd sort of come to church maybe once or twice. And I had a friend of mine that was very influential in um, bringing me to church. And we kind of grew up together all through primary school and high school. Um, but I remember distinctly one night, I kind of made a comment to, uh, to him uh, because I kind of, there's, there's a couple of aspects of this firstly. Um, I kind of was under the assumption that uh, good people go to heaven, uh, I, I, which that, that isn't true. Christianity isn't a religion. Christianity is about a relationship. It's not good people to go to heaven, but forgiven people that go to heaven. And I just kind of assume, which probably most Australians assume, is that I feel like I've been pretty good, I'll get to go to heaven. And I assumed a similar thing, but it, it wasn't the case. And so what happened was I remember one night, I was maybe my first or second time to church, learning all this sort of stuff and going, okay, maybe it's like good people that go to heaven. And after the service, we went out to dinner. We didn't have, you know, nice meatball subs after the service here. We had to go down that, you know, dodgy Macca's down the road. But um, uh, but uh, so we're sitting there, I still clearly remember where we were. We're sitting in Macca's. And um, I kind of said to him, right, I kind of said, so, so like, what's the go? Like, do you believe that you're going to go to heaven? And he said, absolutely. I have absolute full assurance that I'm going to go to heaven. And so I'm coming out of this context of like trying to learn about all this stuff. Like, I don't understand it all. I don't get it. Um, but what happened was because I'd lived a pretty wild life, I'm not proud of that at all, but through my teenage years, pretty wild life. And the thing was, he'd lived a very wild life with me. I mean, we were kind of, you know, uh, together on this. So I knew his lifestyle and I'm assuming like it's good people that go to heaven. And I'm just thinking, how is this bloke getting in? You know what I mean? Like, and, and I mean, I lived a wild life, but at least I didn't, you know, I wasn't attending church and going and, you know, I didn't have all this. He grew up going to church his whole life. And so I said that, and now it's pretty harsh when I think about it now, like it's pretty harsh what I said, but I was just like, I, I don't, I'm trying to get my head around this. I'm trying to understand it. So I said to him, so you, you, you feel you have absolute assurance that you're going to heaven? He goes, yeah, absolutely. And I just said, I said, well, mate, if you believe you, um, oh, sorry. No, this is what I said. I said, if you, um, if you think you're going to heaven, then I'm gonna absolutely romp it in. Like I'm gonna romp it in. Because I just, I just thought, you know, like, like, how, like I know you're up. Like you've, you've, you know, you've party with me, and we lived a bit of a wild life together. And if it's good people that go to heaven, then, uh, then I should definitely, uh, definitely get in. And so there was a concept in, in, in one respect that's like I had this assumption that good people go to heaven, and that's a whole other story uh, in itself. But the other thing I realised, or well, my point is this, in in the midst of this, is that I, I realised then, and even today that the way in which we live our lives really impacts the people around us. Do you know what I mean? Like I looked at his lifestyle, even though I was living it too, but I looked at his lifestyle and I thought, 
there's no way, if good people go to heaven, there's no way he, he should be able to go. And I just was so blatant with him and just said it to him, probably pretty harsh and intense. And, uh, and he kind of took it pretty well. Uh, but, but the way that we live certainly impacts the lives around us. There's no doubt about it. And, and you, you know what this is like. Surely you know what it's like because we, 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 uh, we deal with this all the time. The way that people speak to us, the way that people treat us, the way that maybe you've had a boss in the past that was tough or a really good boss, because it goes both ways, doesn't it? It could be a really negative thing or it could be a really positive thing as well. And so maybe in life you've had some situations some negative situations where people have uh, lived a certain way that have had a negative impact on your life and the way that they live impacted you. But in the same way, it could have been a really positive thing as well. The way that they lived had a positive impact on your life. But there is no doubt, no doubt that the way in which we live our lives impacts the lives around us. And the crazy, the, the amazing thing is this, is that God, if you want to follow Christ, if you're a believer here tonight, that God gives uh, believers or followers of Him this opportunity to live in such a way that it can dramatically and positively and profoundly impact the lives of people around us. And I think that's pretty extraordinary. I think that's a really great opportunity. I, I think that's, it's pretty amazing. I remember um, a few years back or yeah, quite a few years back now, I was working uh, in my trade and I happened to uh, one day be working or, or my boss had put me with another guy that sort of come on site and we had been working together for just a day and there was something about him that I thought, oh, there's something different about this guy. And then the very next day we were working together and working alongside each other and something came up about how we kind of knew uh, the boss and, and we sort of got chatting and I think all of a sudden then that sort of church got kind of brought up. And he made a comment like, oh, well, through church. Or I go. And I said, oh, do you go to church? He goes, yeah, yeah. And I said, oh, I said, I knew it. I, I thought there was something about you. You know what I mean? Just, just the way that he lived, the way that he acted, the fact, the fact that, you know, we're on a job site and he wasn't swearing. You know, that's a pretty big, uh, that's a pretty big thing. I was like, oh, there's something, I, I thought there was something different about you. And I said, I, I wondered if you were a Christian. He goes, yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. Now, luckily, Luckily, he said the same back to me. Uh, it would have been awkward if he's like, mate, I wouldn't have had a clue. You're a Christian, by the way, you, you work. Uh, but he goes, oh, I wondered the same about you. And, um, and so there was just something different about his life. You just, I just picked up on it. And maybe you've had that experience too. There's just something different about that person's life. As a matter of fact, you hear this uh, in testimonies a little bit too, people that have come to faith and they share their story. And sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes they talk about how they rub shoulders with other Christians and there was just like something about them that just shone through. There was just something about their lifestyle, the way they acted, the way they responded, that they just noticed there was something different about their life. Even as I reflect back in high school and, and there was even some people in my grade that I went to school with and journeyed through high school with, I remember thinking there's something different. There was a few unique people in my grade that I just knew there was something different about them. And it wasn't until after high school that I became a Christian that I found out, oh, that's what it was. They were all Christian people. Just, just the way that they lived, the way they responded, the way they acted, the way that they spoke, spoke volumes to me. And I thought there's something different about them. The way in which you live your life can have a huge impact on the lives around you. And Paul, in this letter in Titus in one, and I'll give you some context in just a moment, he sort of speaks into this a little bit. Paul's writing to Titus and he's saying, hey, the way that you behave, the way that you respond, the way that you act will have an impact on the culture and the lives around you, will have an impact on the church that you're involved in. 
And so here we pick up on this, uh, this letter that, that Paul writes to Titus. And to give you a little bit of context here, uh, what's happening is uh, Paul is on this missionary journey. He's, a, he's an apostle, he's a church planter. And they've come across this island in Crete and they, they plant this church there. Uh, and what happened is, is Paul has this almost like apprentice pastor or this young pastor that's working alongside Paul, very similar to Timothy. Timothy was a young pastor coming up. Paul was mentoring Timothy and in a similar way. He mentors Titus. They come across this island uh, in Crete and there's these people living there. And so they start planting a church there. And Paul assigns Titus to be a pastor here uh, on this island in Crete. And he starts, these churches start rising up and Paul starts writing this letter to, uh, to Titus to encourage him. And, uh, and he says to, to Titus, as churches start arising, uh, start putting elders in place to start overseeing these churches. And he writes this letter. And this is where we pick up on this letter and it's so encouraging. And a big part of this letter talks about this very principle that as we live, as we go about our business, as we, as we talk to people and uh, as we go about our life, the way that we live, the way that we live can dramatically impact the lives around us. And so Paul says this, starting in verse one in NLT, this is. He says, this letter is from Paul, which we've kind of already gathered, a slave of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. He says, I have been sent to proclaim faith to those God has chosen and to teach them to know the truth that shows them how to live godly lives. So Paul recognises, it's so powerful. I love reading Paul's letters and the way that he lived. Paul recognises that he has been sent by God on this mission to plant these churches, to build the local church, to, uh, to encourage believers. Uh, and he continues on. He says, this truth gives them confidence that they have eternal life. He's referring to the gospel here. The truth of the gospel uh, gives them confidence that they have eternal life that they can know for sure. They can have a relationship with God and a life after this life as well. Uh, that they can have eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised them before the world began. And now at just the right time is revealed this message, which we announce to everyone. It is by the command of God, our Saviour, that I have been entrusted with this work for Him. I am writing to Titus, my true son in the faith that we share. This, this mentoring, this love that he has for Titus. In the true faith that we share, may God the Father and Christ Jesus our Saviour give you grace and peace. This is the opening sort of few lines of this letter as he writes to Titus. But I love this because you kind of get a little bit of insight as well into the privilege, into the honour uh, <clears throat> that Paul has uh, to, to be able to share this gospel message. Uh, with people, to encourage Titus, to encourage the church, uh, the extraordinary message. And so there's three key things that we pick up here. Firstly, Paul understands that he's been sent by God. And in a similar way tonight, if you're a believer here tonight, you say, yeah, I'm a follower of Christ. I wanna follow Him. In the same way, you have been sent by Him with this extraordinary message that can radically impact people's lives. Now, no doubt, no doubt uh, that there is there is importance in speaking that out, the proclamation of the gospel and speaking into people's lives, absolutely. And Paul uh, you know, talks about that. But in a similar way, even by the way in which you live your life can be impacting on the lives around you. And so Paul knows he's been sent. 
Now, you may think, oh, I don't know if I've been sent. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just going to my university. I'm just doing this work, this part-time work and the job that I'm in because I'm just kind of uh, got some part-time work while I do university. I just live in the house that I live in because that's all we could afford. It wasn't necessarily I'm sent by God to this neighbourhood, uh, you know, or I'm running this business that I'm running because I just kind of fell into it or my dad used to run it and now I'm running it. You don't necessarily feel sent, but that's the, that's the thing. You are sent. You are sent because God wants to use you in that business. He wants to use you in that university. He wants to use you where you live and He's looking for hearts who are fully committed to Him to use them to profoundly impact the people's lives around you. And so He's looking, who can I use? Who can I use? And you're there. You've been commissioned and sent by Him to impact those people's lives. Now, absolutely, we wanna speak and speak forth and proclaim the good news of God. But even the way that you live, even the way that you respond, even the way that you act in those uh, lives around you has a profound impact on other people's lives. So firstly, we pick up, Paul recognises and realises that he's been sent by God. Uh, We realise that he understands the gospel truth, the truth of God, this extraordinary message that there is hope, that there is um, peace and that there is a future found in God. And so he's passionate about this message. And he wants to proclaim that and he's encouraging Titus in that. And thirdly, he recognises the privilege it is to be able to serve God. Listen to those words at the end there. He says, I have been entrusted with this. I've been entrusted. That word entrusted is a sense of wow. When someone entrusts you with something, there's a sense of honour, there's a sense of privilege uh, that comes with that. And Paul understands this privilege and this honour. God has entrusted me with this message. I don't take it lightly. I take it seriously. This is amazing. This is life-changing for people. In the same way, these are all principles for your life if you say, yeah, I'm a follower of Christ. These are all principles for you. In the same way, you've been entrusted with this extraordinary privilege to serve God, to be able to be used by Him. It's an absolute honour, absolute honour. And, uh, and so, like I said, you can proclaim it, but even the way in which you live can have such a dramatic impact. And then Paul goes on as he goes into detail in verse five. I left you on this island of Crete so you could complete our work there and appoint elders in each town as I instructed you. Like I said earlier, so they're setting up these churches in the island of Crete and he says appoint elders to basically run these churches and oversee these churches. Now, Paul goes on here to say, okay, so you're gonna have an impact for the kingdom of God. Now, what does it look like though? He says appoint elders but what does it look like? How, how are we to live? And Paul then begins to list what it would look like to live in a way that would be dramatically impacting of the lives around you. So li- listen to this, verse six. He goes into detail now. An elder must live a blameless life. He says he must be faithful to his wife and his children must be believers who don't have a reputation for being wild or rebellious. Now, some of you are thinking, gee, uh, if you knew my background, you know, I was wild and rebellious, so my poor parents. Uh, but, uh, but he says here, a blameless life, a sense of above reproach. Now, I get it. This, you know, we're, we're never gonna live a perfect life this side of eternity. And it's tough. But, but Christ empowers us to live this out. Uh, near the end there, it talks about, uh, or sorry, at the start, it talks about he must be faithful to his wife. Or or ladies, he must be faithful to uh, her husband. I remember it wasn't too long ago, about a month ago, or maybe a little bit longer. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. But I was talking to an elder, an older friend of mine, 
And uh, he was probably sort of mid-70s, might even be uh, late 70s now. He's run a, a successful business his whole life and, and he's still kind of part-time working in that business but moving uh, on his way out, sort of semi-retiring. And uh, he was saying to me one day, he said, oh, it was so interesting. They just uh, employed another worker, administrative worker. It's a big company. They have a lot of employees. Uh, but he said they just employed this uh, new worker, this lady that was working in administration in the office. And uh, he, he just happened to be chatting to her one day. And I think there'd been some stuff that had gone down in her life or married, a marriage breakup or some sort of relationship breakup. And she just made some sort of a comment to him about, you know, I don't know anymore. Like, why would anyone want to get married? Or, or you know, marriage is an absolutely terrible thing or something like that. And he said, oh, really? He said, well, um, you know, I've been married uh, to my wife for 50 years. I think they'd celebrate the 50th uh, wedding anniversary. He goes, I've been married uh, to my wife for 50 years. And if I had my time all again, I would do exactly the same thing all over again. And, she, and he said this, and he, he didn't say it in necessarily a proud or arrogant way. He just kind of said, oh, well, that, that's, he just kind of threw it out there, not thinking it was a big deal, right? And he said, her jaw nearly hit the ground. And she said this, she said, I have never, in my entire life, heard anybody say anything like that before. Like she was floored. She said, that is incredible. And he's like, oh, well, yeah, that's just like the truth. That's just the reality. And she said this, she said, could I post that on my Facebook? And he was like, oh, if you want to, I suppose you could. Like, and she's like, no, no, you could understand. Like, I've never heard anything like, I've never heard anybody talk like that. That's incredible. Like, you actually love your wife. Like you want to, you've spent 50 years with her. Now this is the reality. You spent 50 years with her and you would do it all over again. Like I've never heard anything like this. And she was flawed. She was flawed at a little throw out comment like that. The way that you live, the way that you live impacts the lives around us. I don't know how about you. I don't know how you feel about our society today. Do you think it's becoming morally better or it's in a moral decline? I don't mean to sound pessimistic, but I feel like the culture around us is going into a moral decline. And let me tell you this, when you live an upright life, a faultless life, when you live a godly life, a life of integrity, all of a sudden people begin to notice there's something different about this person's life. There seems to be crisis after crisis after crisis, time and time again. And when someone lives uprightly, there's a sense of, well, what is it about this person? The way in which you live can have a dramatic impact on the lives around you. Listen to this, listen. If there's an extraordinarily dark room, it only takes a little bit of light, a little bit of light to impact the room. You walk into an extraordinary dark room with even just a candle, it will impact that dark room. As the world and society and culture around us, you know, uh, gets darker, your light shines so much brighter. Do you remember the words? I wrote it down somewhere. Matthew 5, 16, Jesus said this actually. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. The way in which you live, and Jesus said it as well, sorry. The way in which you live, and Jesus said it as well. He says, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. The way in which you live impacts others. And in the same way, in the same way, Paul's writing the same thing. He's saying, listen, Titus, encourage the church there. Encourage your elders to live in such a manner that not only will the church be encouraged, but the society and the culture around them will be encouraged and move and say, there's something different. You know what? People mightn't even wanna necessarily believe in what you believe in. But I tell you what, 
more often than not, they're behind the scenes, they'll say, but I gotta respect them for it. I do respect them for it. I don't believe in all that faith stuff and God and all that sort of stuff, but I tell you what, if I was to ever trust, you know, uh, something with a person, I'd probably trust it with that person. And don't you wanna leave a legacy like that? Don't you wanna have a rapport with people around you like that? That yeah, I could trust that person. I don't believe all the God stuff, but so I could certainly trust that person. The way that you live impacts the lives around you. And Paul goes on to say, an elder must live a blameless life. He says it twice, actually. He must be faithful to his wife and his children, must be believers who don't uh, have a reputation for being wild or rebellious. In verse seven, for an elder must live a blameless life. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered. He must not be a heavy drinker, violent or dishonest with money. And how often, unfortunately, in our society and sometimes uh, in the Christian circles where there's been moral failure or things go down, and it's just so damaging, so damaging. And there's been incidences in the last few years where we've seen the impact of that and people jump on that. It can be so damaging. And Paul says, hey, you set up some accountability or live a life that's blameless. Live a life that has a, such a profound and positive impact uh, on the lives around you. He mentions there at the end, you know, about money and obviously that can be a huge uh, trap for, for many as well. I remember a few years back uh, we had you know, yeah, there was sort of a lot of weddings and bucks parties and all sorts of things. And we had this bucks party one time and uh, I, think, I think a mate of mine was organising it or whatever and sort of organised it. And we did a few different events on that day, but I think it was just easier to kind of just pay for it all. And then he just kind of sent out a text, okay, guys, if you're happy and this is how much it'll cost each person uh, for the day, if you can just pay me back, here's the bank details, all that sort of stuff. And I remember I was just chatting to him like um, a little while after that. And I said, oh, by the way, like, did you get sort of reimbursed for all that? And he said, oh, oh no, still a few people need to um, pay me back or whatever. And this is just like an observation, but he said, oh, actually, it's interesting because um, actually, and because at the Bucks party, there's, you know, non-Christians there and Christians and whoever, just a mix of different people. And he said, it's interesting though, because everyone who owes me money, it's, it's all the Christians actually that owe me the money. They're the ones that I'm, I'm still chasing money off. All the non-Christians paid. And I thought, gee, that's probably not a great testimony really for, uh, for Christians, you know, good with money and paying people back. Now, hopefully he got that money back, I don't know. And, and you know, he didn't care that much. He, it was just an observation of him. And maybe that's why they didn't pay him because they thought, oh, grace abounds, he won't care. I don't know. Uh, but but it doesn't leave a great testimony, does it? In the same way in business or whatever you're called, you're called to do, you know, often people say, how can I have a, this is a good thought actually. Uh, you know, yeah, good thought. Thank you, Lord. Um, <laughs> you know, people often say, oh, how can I have an, an impact in my workplace? Just, just one thing you can do is work really, really hard. You can just be a really hard worker. And people will notice and say, man, that person is a hard worker. And I actually think that's a principle that God calls us to do. Just work hard. Don't work under men, work unto the Lord, he says. Work unto me, work hard, work with integrity. That in itself will speak volumes. I've been on the job side, I've worked with other apprentices. There's some that are lazy and you think, oh, and there's some that are hard working and you think, you know, there's something powerful about just working hard. And Paul, uh, Paul goes on to say, rather, he must enjoy having guests in his home. He must love what is good. There's something quite powerful about, you know, guests in home. He talks about guests in the home. There's something quite powerful about hospitality and welcoming others into home, building relationships. It's powerful. Seeing the way in which you live. And, uh, you know, I often talked about this, but it's true. And Raquel and I have always been intentional where we live and connecting with neighbours and friends and 
I remember a few years back, there was some, uh, a young couple that sort of moved in around the corner from us and it was just such an awesome thing to be able to build a relationship with them. And we would often host them. We'd go, they'd come to dinner for, uh, to ours and we'd go to dinner to theirs and we'd play cards. And if anyone knows how to play 500, great card game. Uh, but we'd battle away and we'd have these comps and we'd, you know, uh, in 500. But we just got to build such a great relationship with them. But, you know, through that, it was such an uh, amazing opportunity. And of course, Faith Stories got, uh, you know, came up, obviously with my job and stuff like that. Oh, how's work? And obviously that sort of comes up. Uh, but they, they were engaged and then they were getting married. And it was such a privilege when they said, um, you know, would you, uh, would you take the wedding for us? Would you marry us? And, um, and I, was, I was said, absolutely, I'd, I'd love to do that. And, and just taking that wedding. And you know what, the entire wedding, like the whole ceremony, like everyone there, and we got invited to the reception. It was just so cool to be able to do that for them. But you know, that whole wedding, like probably 99% of people at that whole wedding weren't Christian. They took this Christian wedding, Raquel had an opportunity to pray for them and pray in the ceremony and things like that. And just the people afterwards just coming up saying, that was an awesome wedding. You know what I mean? And, and such an amazing opportunity. But it comes out of this place of just hospitality and hosting people. And Paul says the same thing, that they, you know, part of, of, a, of, of a good elder is, is having this spirit, um, enjoying having guests in the home, must love what is good. He goes on to say he must live wisely and be just. He must live a devout and disciplined life. Now that's a struggle. I'm certainly not disciplined. I need your help, Lord, in that one. But um, a disciplined life, he must have a strong belief in the trustworthy message he was taught. What's the message? The message, this gospel message, the good news of God. There must be a conviction in his heart that this is true. This is amazing. Then he will be able to encourage others with wholesome teaching and show those who oppose it where they are wrong. This is encouraging, like it really is. It's in, in some, I mean, I get it. In some respect, it's tough, right? And it seems like a blameless life, like, man, I can't live up to that. No, you, you can't and I can't, none of us can. But this is the powerful thing. Jesus, do you remember when Jesus said, he said, it's actually better that I go. He says, it's better that I go. Why? Because then I'll send you a helper. And every single one of us needs that. Every single one of us needs a helper. And so we're not alone in this. Jesus empowers us and helps us to live in such a way that'll impact uh, the lives around us. Um, I was reminded a couple of stories I wanna share with you, but I remember when I just started my apprenticeship and I know I've often shared about this, but it was a tough period, those four years there because uh, I wasn't a Christian and, and then uh, the, guy, the, the guys that I worked with, you know, loved it and I kind of was living a certain way and they'd often, they just thought it was great. And then I became a Christian and everything changed. My morals changed and how I lived and everything changed and they were gutted, you know, they were devastated. And, um, and, and so for the next four years, uh, it was just like a barrage of like just constant, constant ridicule for the fact that I became a Christian and I was attending church and all this sort of stuff. But often, um, often they would also get the other contractors on board too and the plumbers and electricians and anybody else that was working with us at the time, they'd get them on board. And some of the worst times were smoko and lunchtime. They were the worst times because you'd sit down with everyone and they just loved just, all right, here we go. Here's a great, uh, you know, uninterrupted 20 minutes or whatever, let's rip on uh, the apprentice twig, you know. And, uh, and, and so they loved getting others involved. But I remember, I still remember to this day, really distinctly, one particular time we were doing a re-roof on this house and uh, there was a roofer that my boss knew. He was retired, but he would often call him and say, could you just help us with this one? 
And uh, he would just come and just give us a hand with this roof. And then on this one day, we're working together on a smoker time, we're sitting around and all of a sudden a barrage of payout and all this uh, started coming. And they, they tried to include uh, this, this guy. And I remember thinking it was pretty amazing because the way he responded was radically different. You know, often the other contractors would join in or laugh or whatever, but he actually was pretty much the opposite. As a matter of fact, they were kind of, you know, throwing all this stuff at me and I'm sorry, not physically throwing stuff at me, but uh, although that probably happened a bit too, but, um, uh, but uh, on this occasion, you know, they were just kind of saying all this stuff about me. And if anything, he just said kind of the, he didn't join in or didn't laugh or whatever. He actually kind of said the exact opposite. Like he said, oh no, well he, and he said something encouraging. And I was like, man, alive, like what's the go with this guy? And, and it, it was something, this is the thing though, it was so small. Do you know what I mean? It was actually really small. It wasn't that big a deal, but the impact was huge. The impact was huge. In, in a society that's all about, it's about me, life's about me, it's about getting ahead and pushing others down and all that sort of stuff. Sometimes you only need to do the smallest act of kindness, but it can have such a profound impact. The, even the smallest, you know, godly manner, the, the integrity, the way in which you live can have such a big impact. And so he didn't join in or say anything. He just said quite the opposite. And I just thought, whoa. And I was so drawn. I thought, man, I want to work alongside this guy. Like, he's amazing. A few years later, um, I found out he passed away. He's an older guy and he passed away. And uh, we went to the funeral. And I didn't even know. But when we went to the funeral. It was just this incredible, godly funeral. He was a godly Christian man. And the heritage of his children that uh, were attending this church, his grandchildren that were attending this church, I had no idea. But the, 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 the legacy he'd left behind was extraordinary. It's an extraordinary legacy of, of, of Christian heritage. An amazing, godly man. And I realised then, oh, that's what it was. That's what it was. You see... The way in which you live, the way in which you respond can have such an impact on the lives around you. You know, just earlier today, I was reminded um, this morning, I was reminded of a testimony. And I thought, that's, that's the power of this so much. As a young adult girl many years ago, you might remember her testimony, but many years ago, there was baptised here. And there was just a part of her testimony. I thought, man, that's the power of the way in which we live and how impacting that can be. And I just want to read you a snippet. Uh, of, her, of her story. I sort of took a bit of the front out and the back end, but this is sort of the, the middle part of it. Uh, to give you some context, she just shares a little bit at the start about how she grew up in a home, no faith background, no church or anything like that, but a, a loving home. And then she goes on to say this. She says, so when I, uh, when I was in year 11 and I met a wonderful Christian lady, she invited me along to Bridgie. I said, no thanks, not for me. I already had everything. Great friends and a loving boyfriend. I didn't need church. I thought I had it all. But then she says this, I went to schoolies in 2013 and had what I thought was the best week of my life. However, it was there that I encountered the red frogs. I won't go into gory details, but as they put me to bed, I remember asking them why they were happy to clean up the vomit of a stranger, someone they didn't know or love. They told me that it was because they were Christians, because they loved God, they also loved his people and it was their lives calling to serve them. So powerful. I had literally, she goes on to say, I had literally no idea what they were talking about. I love that. I literally had no idea what they were talking about, but asked them what I could do to repay them. See, as, just through this act of service, uh, what I could do to repay them. They insisted in me, they wanted no repayment, but I kept asking and eventually I wore them down. 
They told me I could come with them to the service the next night. So this is Red Frog service during schoolies week. I agreed and even brought along a few of my friends. We went reluctantly and I'm being honest, I was not listening at all. Until a song came on, it was Wake by Hillsong Young and Free. My friends looked at each other and said, oh my goodness, we were just listening to this song. From the moment that song played, I started actually listening. And for the first time in my life, I heard phrases like relationship with Jesus and gracious loving God. I still didn't really know what they were talking about, but I wanted to know. No one can tell me that God doesn't have a plan because He placed that song in our YouTube playlist weeks earlier. We had no idea it was a Jesus song, but He knew it would be the key. So when I got back from schoolies, I messaged uh, that lady and I told her I was ready to come to church. She and her husband showed me such kindness. They'd driven half an hour out of their way to bring me to church and half an hour back to drive me home for weeks. I came along to Christmas Day and I genuinely loved every moment, but it hadn't all clicked and I fell off the wagon. I continued to fill the hole in my heart with worldly things. I struggled a lot for years with depression and anxiety. Despite it all, I thought I was happy. I'd accepted my fate. I thought it was normal to be happy in the daylight hours and then cry yourself to sleep at night. I realised eventually there had to be more to life than this. And so I came back to church through the faithfulness of the people in this community. Listen to that, so powerful. The faithfulness of the people in this community, I found connect groups. I was led to these two wonderful women. They were the ladies in the baptism pool with her. Together, they and the whole connect group listened with patience as they asked question after question after question after question. They answered with honesty and with such wisdom that one night, after a couple of months, something just clicked. It all made sense. I could no longer deny the existence of God or the presence of Jesus in my life. And so I love, I love this. So the next week, sitting at Chermside and eating gelato, with the help of my connect group, I made my salvation prayer and I felt absolutely on top of the world. Let me just say this. The way that you live will impact the lives around you. The way that you live will impact the lives around you. You see, the first part of that, she goes down to schoolies and encounters Red Frog. She encounters many of you. Could have been one of you, I don't know. Many of you. And through that act of service, through that act and the way in which you live, it impacts her heart. Another couple get involved and they drive and they pick her up and they take her home. Through that act of kindness and the way in which they lived, it impacted her life. And then she goes on to speak about the community here. As she started coming along, the community, the way in which you live impacted her life and she encounters Christ. The way that you live will impact the lives around you. The way Paul says it is this, in Galatians, he says this, let us not become weary in doing good, for at that proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Father God, we thank you for your word. And I love that in this room right now, you have people, your people, followers, Father God, that you wanna use to impact the lives around them. These are your children and you love every single person in this entire world and you want every single person in this entire world to know the grace of you, the love of you. And you are looking 
for your children to use, to impact their lives, to point them towards you. And I thank you, great God, that yes, you've called us to speak and to declare, but more than that, even in the way in which we live, you can use us to profoundly impact these people's lives, great God, for positive, for positives, in positives in ways, great God. And so I just pray, Lord, that as we come to a moment of worship and praise and honour to you, I just pray, Father God, that even as we go about tomorrow, that, that, that we would recognise and realise as Paul does, that we have been sent by you to impact people's lives. That, that it's not a mistake where we work. It's not a mistake the business we run. It's not a mistake where we live, Father God, but you wanna use us in these places. And the way that we live, Father God, empowered by You, that we're gonna impact the lives around us. And I thank You so much for that. And I really wanna pray, God, I really wanna pray that in this very room, that we'd get, a, we'd get a picture of that, a vision of that, of what it looks like, that we would not lose sight of that, that we are sent, that we would have that in the forefront of our minds, great God. And I wanna pray that through our lives, that just the very testimony, the one story I've just shared now, that there would be many, many, many more to come, I pray pray, Father God, many more testimonies to come through the way in which we live. And so God, in this moment, we humbly say, God, I'm available, use me. God, help me to live live in such a way that will impact the lives around me. I just sense actually, if you wanna respond to God, you know that God's spoken to you, say, God, I want this in my life. I wanna impact lives. Would you just be willing to say, God, just put your palms out in front of you as an act of surrender. Say, God, that's me. God, that's me. And I'm just gonna give you an opportunity, actually. Why don't you just pray to Him now and say, God, use me. God, I wanna live like that. God, I wanna, I wanna be used to impact lives around me. I'm just gonna give you a moment to pray. Between, this is between you and Him. Father, we thank You so much. So use us now, we ask. And uh, we just thank you in advance by faith, the many lies that will be impacted for your kingdom, great God, as we just humbly come before you, as we're surrendered by you and used by you, used by you, great God. Lord, we worship you now, we love you and we just commit these things to you in Jesus' mighty Name. Amen, amen. Let's jump up on our feet and we're gonna worship our great King, our great God. But you feel free even in this song, if you wanna respond and talk to God, you just do that. And um, yeah, we'll worship Him.
Thank you, great God, that you have given us the opportunity 
to be your light, to share who you are with the people around us. That, that is a massive privilege. And I actually pray for every single one of us right now, I was thinking about that as we were worshipping. We, we actually have an opportunity every day to live in a way that actually people find out who you are, Jesus Christ, and we shine who you are, or we can live in a way that just encourages people to keep living in the way that they are and not knowing you. And Lord, I really, really want to encourage others to know you, Jesus Christ. I want to live in a way that people know their Lord and Saviour, their Heavenly Father. And I pray for that for every single one of us here. Lord, that is very exciting that we can live and share with the people around us that they may come to know You and to experience Your love that will change their life in Your holy and Your precious Name. Amen. I really, really want to encourage you in that. I was thinking that. I remember in year 11 and it hit me so hard. I was sitting at the back row and I was maybe trying to have a bit of fun or uh, crack some funnies during class. I remember the teacher came to me and she said, Tyrone, you're pretty good at leading. And she said, at the moment, you're leading everyone in this back row to do the wrong thing. And then she said, how do you want to live your life? Do you want to? And, and it just hit me very hard. But she said, how do you want to live your life? Do you want to lead people to know God? And, and she wasn't actually just drilling me for that, but, but she had a word for me. She said, do you, want, do you want to live a life that leads people to know God or just to random things in this world? And I just thought, isn't that, isn't that cool that we have an opportunity to lead people to Jesus Christ? It's incredible. And it actually makes every day so exciting. And, and I really wanna encourage you in the little things. Because often we pray that prayer and then there, there's an opportunity where we're at a cafe or we're driving or something happens and we go, no, 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 I'll, I'll put that aside for a second. I need to get angry right now. Like this is different, but it's not. In every single situation, we have the opportunity to share the love and the grace of God. So I encourage every single one of us it is very exciting living in a way that we get to share the love of God with the people around us. It's a whole new way. So I really encourage us. Thank you, Twig, for your word tonight. Such a great word. And it is the Word of God. So that's for every single one of us. So feel free to take a seat. I want to encourage you too. We have food. We have the Connections Lounge. We have the Prayer Lounge at the back as well. But have an amazing week and be excited to share the love of Jesus with the people around you.